Happy holidays, everybody. As a special Christmas or Yuletide treat, we are re-releasing our very first ever microdose that we released back in February of this year, 2021. Uh, a lot has changed since February of this year with the show and even with microdoses, but I think we're still both, Venus and I are both very proud of what we have done this year and how far we have come. So thank you all for listening here on the main channel and thank you for supporting us over on Patreon where this episode was originally published. We hope you enjoy it. And if you want to listen to more extra content like this ad-free, uh, feel free to go over and support us on Patreon. And if you're totally fine with listening for free um, on the regular show, that's fine too. We really appreciate all the support that we get from all of our listeners. So happy holidays and we'll see you next year. It's time for your microdose, the exclusive Lethal Dose podcast episodes for our valued Patreon members. This microdose will further explore arsenic as a poison allegedly used by another woman in history, Mrs. Florence Maybrick. We encourage you to listen to Lethal Dose Episode 2 for background information on arsenic's role as a poison leading up to the 1800s. So Kayla, who is Mrs. Florence Maybrick? Florence Maybrick is a woman who has been maligned by history. Some people will probably come into this podcast if they know who she is, disagreeing with me on this, but mm. I will say that I am coming at it from a biased approach because I read a book called Did She Kill Him? That's my primary source. Okay. And it has a lot of Florence's letters and diary entries and a lot of direct quotes that were written down Ooh. by police and doctors at the time for people who were actually taking notes of things before shit went down. And I don't think that she killed her husband. If we're getting all of this firsthand information from her directly mm -hmm. and diary entries, that's pretty personal. Unfortunately, the stuff that's up for debate are her actions leading up mm -hmm. to the death of her husband. Okay. And so even after this, I'd be fine with people being like, I still think she did it. But I personally, I don't think she did it. And that's kind of the point of view I'm probably going to be pushing is that I don't think that she killed her husband. Okay, well, and I'd be interested in hearing the evidence that you present. And I would love to, like, by the end of it, be, what do I think? Right, yeah. I don't, I don't know a ton about her. I'd love to know what you think. And I didn't know a ton about her either. And when I first got the book, I just thought it would be an interesting arsenic case. It was a whole book on a woman who was accused of killing her husband with arsenic. And did she kill them? So was there, there was this debate. And I think that the debate is interesting because, as we talked about in the main episode, Doctors essentially had the same, they had the same access to poisons that everybody else did. But when doctors poisoned somebody, it was kind of like, well, that sucks. That's just kind of how medicine goes sometimes. And when women poison somebody, even if they're not trying to be malicious, in Florence Maybrick's case, she was in prison for 15 years. Oh, man. Yeah. And another reason that I think she was just totally maligned, not that just that I feel she was in unjustly sentenced, but... There were rumors spread about her afterwards. She was accused of being the wife of Jack the Ripper. Ooh. Because he existed during this same time period in the UK, and this all took place in the UK. Interesting. Yeah. And she was, of course, not. She was just, she was an American woman who married an Englishman and was living her life out as an unhappy American woman 
And that's, I guess, where we can start. Florence's mother, her name was Carrie Holbrook, and she was twice widowed, and her third husband left her. Florence was a niece of Confederate President Jefferson Davis, so oh. they, they had some clout in the, the Confederacy, I guess. I don't know that they had clout in the United States, but... As a whole, yeah. Yeah, and she was also the daughter of a baron of some sort, so they came from money, and I think that's how they were able to go over to the UK, and I think mm-hmm. that they went to the UK because her mother was searching out love again. In 1880, Florence is 17. She meets James Maybrick on a boat. As she's going to the UK for the first time, mm. she meets this man. He's 41. He's, he's from Liverpool. She's 17 and from Alabama. They got married in 1881 or 1882. So very okay. quickly after. Very, yeah. And while she's still very young. She's very young. And I'm sure that her, her mother insisted on it. He also had clout, all of that sort of thing. It was a lot of power. And I have a note that she gave birth to her first child, her son, 40 weeks after her wedding. Pretty quick. Yeah. That's- yeah. So... Yeah. Her mother was always in financial trouble, Carrie was. And by 1887, and this is the year after their daughter was born, they had two children. By 1887, James hated Carrie. He absolutely hated her. He he was upset because he learned that although Florence was the niece of Jefferson Davis and she was the daughter of a baron, her fortune was actually quite smaller than Carrie mm-hmm. made it out to be when they were married. And so they sure. ended up in pretty quick financial trouble because he was anticipating more money than they had. And Florence, she was young. She was, you know, by now in her early 20s and she's racking up a lot of secret debts. And so Ugh. she's mostly spending his money. Eef. In December of 1887, Florence discovered that James had a mistress. <gasps> yeah. And so, I mean, things are just not starting out well early on in this marriage. And James had arranged two insurance policies. There was one for 500 pounds and one for 2,000 pounds, and Florence was the beneficiary of both of them. And then the family moved in 1888, and Florence was unhappy about it. And so there's just all of these early stressors happening in their marriage. At the end of 1888, they had a huge fight, and James tore up his wills and then said Florence wouldn't be the beneficiary and would only get a third of his entire estate under the law. So she was just going to get what the law said that she The should. bare minimum. Yeah, yeah, as a widow. Do we know what led up to that big, huge blowout fight that led to that? I think it was just general unrest in the marriage that, yeah, he had a mistress and she was spending money and those were the two big things. And so then it just finally came to a head like most Mm -hmm. unhappy times in marriages do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was actually December 31st of 1888. And I will put a spoiler on this and say that Florence was tried in, in 1889. So these oh, next, very quickly, these next couple months are going to be crucial. And so that's how 1888 ended. James had a lot of gut problems and he had a lot of poisons and prescriptions on hand for his gut problems. Some of them he was prescribed by his doctor and some he was just able to pick up at the apothecary. He had a history of arsenic for general prophylactic against disease because he was also kind of a hypochondriac and so Mm. he had all of these actual gut issues but he was also just really worried about being sick on top of arsenic he used strychnine aphrodisiacs and he used just basically everything he could get his hands on and his doctors when they would find this out they'd be like "Eh, you shouldn't really take that you shouldn't you shouldn't do that and he'd be like oh but i like arsenic This is how this man lived his life. And so, yeah, this is somebody that if he were around today would have a very addictive personality, Mm -hmm. be Mm self-medicating with any kind of substance he could get his hands on. It was just, 
you know, today it might be pain pills or mm-hmm. it might be alcohol, but back then it was arsenic and whatever else the apothecary had. And I'm sure it was our alcohol too, because alcohol okay. was pretty typically like, oh, you're not feeling well. Why don't you take a little bit of brandy and then see how you feel later, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And so, yeah, I think he'd be the type of person who's like, doctors don't know anything. I know my body better. And Mm -hmm. like, sure, you know your body better, but you have to be really careful about what you're putting into your body. Right. And if you don't understand all of the things that arsenic will do to you over time, Mm -hmm. you know, like a doctor of the Mm -hmm. time might, um, (laughs) that might be a mistake. What is that like? So uh, people use arsenic as a pleasure source? Like, does it get you high? What is that about? I don't think it gets you high. There's a group of people in Austria and they're called the arsenic eaters of Styria. They live in a high altitude and they do a lot of climbing the mountains every day as part of whatever it is that they do. Or they did. I think this may have also been around the 1800s, so possibly the same time. They believed that arsenic gave them kind of a boost. And so Hmm. they just felt, they felt really good. And they would start out with really small amounts, but the people who had been doing it for years would be able to tolerate what would normally be fatal doses for people. Interesting. And if they stopped taking it, then they felt worse. They would have side effects where they're lethargic and their stomach hurts and they have a headache. And so we're not sure what the the addictive property of arsenic is, but we do huh. know that it can be addictive. And we, we do know that it can it can kill you in chronic doses or it can give you this weird boost in chronic doses. And I don't know if that was a placebo effect or not, but they were definitely feeling we're, we're worse off if we don't take the arsenic. And I think that's what James Maybrick's case was as well. Well, and that's really interesting that something that we know now as a poison, this very toxic, terrible mm-hmm. substance, that people were having withdrawals from it. Mm-hmm. And craved what it gave them that's huh okay so in the summer of 1888 florence actually questioned james's doctor about his prescriptions because she thought that they were making him sicker because he would take arsenic and then he would get sicker so i don't think that he was necessarily seeing the benefits that say the arsenic eaters of stereo were but he did like how it made him feel as a result james dropped the doctor because if you're going to be questioning then I'm just going to do my own thing. And so he alternated between boasting about and hiding taking his poison. So he'd say like, I can handle this much arsenic, but then he'd also not want anybody to know how much arsenic he was taking. Yeah. That sounds like very much so addict behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, I can drink a whole case of beer and not get drunk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you're such a lightweight. And then in the next breath, he's going and drinking a case of beer and not wanting his family, his wife, his friends to see it. Yeah. And he worked as an accountant, I think, but he had so many bottles of prescriptions in his office that people described it as looking like an apothecary. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So in the spring of 1889, James developed these constant headaches. He had numbness in his hands and feet. He was irrationally afraid of paralysis, and so the numbness in his hands and his feet really freaked him out. Well, yeah, that's like the neuropathy (laughs) that we talked about in episode two. He's losing losing his tactile function and like, oh, I'm going to be paralyzed now, even though I don't realize that I'm doing this to myself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so Florence told another doctor, and the doctor just dismissed her. So she's actively trying to be like, I think my husband is poisoning himself. And all of these doctors are like, no, he's fine. And this doctor is actually quoted as saying, You can always say that we spoke about it. So, so far where I'm at, outsider looking in, trying to be objective, this doesn't seem like the actions of a woman 
who wants to murder her husband, this sounds like even though she might not be happy in the marriage, she still has his best interest at heart because if she didn't care for him, why would she take the time and mm -hmm. put in the effort of going to talk to his doctors? Of course, more happens to convolute the story. Florence actually met with a friend and discussed divorce on the 24th of March. And she cited adultery, she cited abuse because, uh, you know, as we did in episode <laughs> right. two, like men beat their wives pretty constantly. And the attorneys that she met with suggested that she just ask him to move out and that she and the children could stay. So, but they would still be married. They, they just, married. they would be separated. This was still during a time when divorce was frowned upon. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. So that probably had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So yeah. did they separate and did he move out at no. this point? No. So she was just seeking advice. She knew a, a family physician named Dr. Hopper and sought assistance for the divorce from Dr. Hopper. And there was... The, a major fight that happened after she went and saw attorneys and then she talked to the doctor and the doctor just suggested reconciliation. He was like, you know, you two should really make up. So everybody is just like, no, we don't think you should divorce. It wouldn't look good for you. What would you get out of it? A like, little peace and happiness maybe. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. And I mean, there's these like lurid details that I wrote down where like during this whole, this fight that they have, and then they, they're talking to Dr. Hopper. James says that they haven't had sex for three months. And Florence says that she's repulsed by him and like. Ugh, got ugly. It, yeah. And, and that she didn't want any more of his babies. I don't know. I guess that sounds at least as far as like Hollywood divorce is what you see. Like, have you ever seen The War of the Roses? I haven't. Oh my gosh, we need to watch it. So okay. It's Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas, and they're like Ooh. going through a divorce, and it's just a nasty divorce. And basically, that's what it is: is that like they're late in their marriage, but every time they like pass each other on the stairs, she's like fucking pig, and he's like bitch. Like, <laughs> this is what it seems like their marriage is. At this yeah, point. it's just a toxic, toxic place to be. Mm -hmm. Words of vitriol are exchanged on the daily. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. James found out about Florence's trip to London and became suspicious. Yeah. So why was he sus? Well, because he was cheating. So, of course, she's cheating, too. She, she's cheating, or she might be doing something else. What um, Was she cheating? Well, yes, she was cheating, but she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she hadn't started cheating yet, but she was definitely thinking about cheating with this guy. But that's not who she went to London to meet with, but he was suspicious okay. about it. And then okay. she also kept fainting, and they're like, why does she keep fainting? So mm -hmm. now she has health issues and then more of her money issues are discovered. James says he'll fix them for whatever reason. He's like, okay, I'll fix your money issues. We should stay together even though we hate each other. And mm -hmm. then the, the theory is that Florence kept fainting because she was pregnant and that maybe she was trying to tell Dr. Hopper in one of her visits to him mm -hmm. that she was pregnant and wanted to, wanted it to get taken care of. Got it. But he didn't want her to get it taken care of and he didn't want them to divorce Ugh. yeah so it didn't go the way that she was hoping no it didn't and then james got a prescription from a brother's doctor so he is doc hopping at this point yeah he he gets a prescription called plumner's liver which is antimony he Ooh, what's that that is another pure element that is really toxic Oh, good. Not okay. Good for you. <laughs> okay. He had some sort of laxative that may have been mercury. 
<laughs> he had a Nux Vomica tonic, and I think that was intended to as a purgative. Okay. So that was 0.125% strychnine. <laughs> so he's getting fixed up with uh, a lot of things that we now know will kill you. Yeah, yeah. Definitely kill you. And he was given Fowler's Solution Potassium Arsenic, which was... 12 drops three times a day. And so <gasps> that was about 0.18 gram- grains of arsenic three times a day. And I don't know what a grain is in terms of grams or anything, but um, I'm going to say it's too much arsenic three times a day. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with uh, any amount is too much. Yeah. Um, and so that much three times a day is too fucking much. Mm-hmm. And then a different doctor prescribed a stomach talk at tonic of peppermint, which I'm totally fine that's, with. Yeah, that's great. It <laughs> does help the stomach. This is finally something good to help the strychnine, the antimony, and the potassium arsenic go down with a little bit of peppermint. And then he prescribed this other doctor that he shopped around and got prescribed a tonic of nitre, nux vomica, cascara, sagrada, and camphor. So he's being prescribed poisons and purgatives, and the, the purgatives are also poisons. <laughs> Oh my gosh. How did he, okay. So he gets these all from his brother's doctor. He gets, he gets the last two prescriptions from a different doctor. Okay. So we're, and so this is the whole, there's no continuity of care. No, there's like five doctors involved. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure that that wasn't a term that anybody at that time was familiar (laughs) with. Just the same with, you know, doc hopping or doctor shopping, but that's very much so what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. None of these doctors are on the same page. Know that he's getting all of these poisons from Mm -hmm. other doctors. Yeah. Okay. So then what happens? Is this the part where he keels over and dies because he's on all of these poisons? This is the part where days start becoming numbered. (laughs) Mm, okay. So on April 25th, James redrafted his will to leave everything to his children, his brothers, and nothing to Florence. He left mm. nothing to her. I think under, yeah, under the law, she would still get a third of his property, but he only wanted, he wanted her to have no interest on any of his assets. So she would literally just get a third of the property and only having a third of the property would do nothing. So she'd essentially have to sell that for the profit and then get the fuck out. Right. Ugh, okay. She could only live in the house with the kids if she didn't remarry, was part of the, <gasps> yeah. Yeah, so she could stay living in the house that she only owns a third of with her children if she never remarried. That's, t- what a way to try to control somebody from the grave. I know, I know. This guy was a dick. Like, I am not it a fan like of it. James Maybrick. No, it sounds very much so like if he were dating any of my friends today <laughs> and said, leave him, sis, get out, get, get out, out, run. You deserve better. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So he changes the will. Mm-hmm. She can't remarry. She only gets a third of the property because that's what's entitled to her by law. Nothing mm-hmm. he can do about that piece. So then what happens? So then on the 26th, he received a package and some reports say that he received a bottle in the package. And so who knows if mm-hmm. that was another prescription because he's just taken everything. Mm-hmm. On the 27th of April, this is the important date. He starts to have vomiting and numbness in his legs. He himself thought that he overdosed on some sort of medicine. And so he told his friend Thomas, he told his employees, and he told this guy, George Smith, who I think was maybe a coworker, not an employee, his medicine had strychnine and so he was worried that he had maybe overdosed on strychnine and he complained of stiff limbs he had shaking in his hands 
and he was out all day with work in the races despite this and it rained while he was at the races and so th- this is all important stuff to remember is that he may okay. have od'd but he may have also been out all day in the elements essentially yeah and so yeah we don't know if it's because of something that he took or just from the situation that he was in that day mm-hmm. and it, it okay. really does complicate things later on so that was the 27th of april on the 28th of april james drank some brandy to settle his shaking as one does <laughs> and florence fixed him an emetic of mustard powder and water and then he also complained of feeling like his tongue was dirty and so then he's treated by this doctor dr humphreys and james told him his current symptoms were from a strong cup of morning tea despite having been like i think i might have you know od'd he tells the doctor who is attending him that it might have been a strong cup of coffee and dr humphreys much to his credit did not believe that and he told him to stop taking the fuller's tonics which were the arsenic tonics okay he had also been informed by florence probably that james had a habit of taking extra doses of the tonics rather Mm -hmm. than taking it three times a day he was taking it more often Mm -hmm. and so he might have been somebody who was listening to florence or he might have just been taking in information that he was being given by family and saying like stop that yeah well and especially if he's i mean this guy's already got an eye you know he's got the side eye on Mm -hmm. james maybrick because yeah t's not going to uh give you some paralysis and loss of feeling and then also extra new sensory feelings Mm -hmm. in places you shouldn't yeah but even as much credit as we can give Dr. Humphreys for this, he prescribed a digestive of prussic acid, which is hydrogen cyanide. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get rid of, we'll give it rid of the arsenic, but let's replace it with some cyanide. Yeah. That's the plan. Yeah. Okay. And he, he thought that that would help the vomiting that he was experiencing that wasn't going away. <laughs> And he said that he thought that the stomach problems and the chill, the, the, you know, all of that was probably from being in the rain at the races. By early evening, James said he was hungry and asked for a bowl of arrowroot. The housekeeper, Mary, began making it, and Florence, who had gone to the kitchen to ask Mrs. Humphreys, who is actually not related to the doctor at all. She's another housekeeper. It gets confusing. She asked Mrs. Humphreys to see the children, and so Florence had begun making it, and Mary finished it off. And while Mary was finishing it off, she tasted it, and she said, oh, this tastes like almonds. I don't think James will like it. And so she remade it. And so this becomes a point mm. where people start noticing, namely the housekeepers start noticing James's food is being returned. James's food is being untouched by James. James's food mm. tastes weird. And so people are like, oh, she was poisoning him. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that I don't think arsenic tastes like almonds, it's only cyanide that's supposed to taste that's like what almonds. I was, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I was wondering for a second if I was misremembering no. that fact. No, it's cyanide that tastes like almonds. Right, okay, so yeah. One thing I think you could say is maybe Florence was trying to put the digestive in the arrowroot powder. Mm-hmm. Or potentially- To be helpful. Because he wasn't taking his prescribed medications and she knew that he wasn't following doctor's mm-hmm. orders. Mm-hmm. Or you could just say- she was just killing him. It right. could have been that she knew that there was cyanide in the prussic acid. And so adding more cyanide, who's going to be able to tell the difference? He takes too many doses all the time. Right. I don't know. And it could just be that the housekeeper thinks it tastes weird. I, I really don't know what to make of a lot of the food stuff. 
Yeah. So. I mean, well, because we all have different palettes too. Um, mm-hmm. Something that's very noticeable to one person might not be to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's to say, maybe she just like, oh, I, I catch a hint of almond in this. <laughs> yeah. I'll you know, it. but then somebody, yeah, but then somebody else doesn't even like, what almond are you talking about? Yeah. Either way, even though she remade it, James was sick again by 9 p.m. that evening. Okay. And Dr. Humphreys still insisted that he was fine. You're just working this out of your system. And so then the doctor left. Mm. James wrote in a letter to his brother that following Monday that he felt like he was dying. (laughs) Okay. And he was wondering why the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And he suggested that that a post-mortem be done when he died because he was very suspicious. Well, but this is also, I don't know what, why the doctors can't help me um, because I'm seeing however many doctors and not giving yeah. them all of the information. Oh, I don't know. That might be it. That's part uh, of it, I think. Yeah. Okay. And it's also so, like, you know that meme of the guy riding a bike and then he sticks the, the, the stick in his own bike and he's like, yes, damn it. I feel like that's James Maybrick where he's sticking the stick in his own bike and he's like, why won't doctors figure out what's wrong with me? And it's like, yeah. well... Or rake stepping. Have you heard that? Yeah, where you're oh just like, God, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, he's just rake stepping all the way to the grave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So but, he tells his brother. Yeah, he tells what his brother happened. that the doctors don't know with me and you should do a postmortem when I'm dead because I'm definitely dying. And then he started to feel better after he wrote that letter. Oh, okay. And so Dr. Humphreys prescribed Seymour's papain and Iridin solution, a purgative for chronic dyspepsia and gastritis. And it could cause bloody diarrhea. So, oh, so not going to be great when you already have <laughs> gastrointestinal shit going on. Literally, <laughs> like you already have that going on. Let's uh, get a little bit more aggro in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And then two days later, he was totally better. And I don't oh, know who's to say if it was the purgative? I probably wouldn't. But he was better. Okay, that's great. I'm I'm happy for him. I two guess. days later, he relapsed. Okay, so it didn't last long. <laughs> it did not last long. And I just have like Friday and Saturday dates from here. So I'm just going to like be referring to it throughout the week. And so after he relapsed, the girls in the kitchen who worked at the home noted that James's food sometimes was altered in color or flavor. And he complained of ketchup being added to his food that was supposed to be bland because, you know, he's kind of on like the my stomach hurts diet. Right. And so his food was often untouched like I had mentioned. Mm. And so the, the girls in the kitchen start noticing this. Mm-hmm. That morning, James complained of a prescription making him sick to Dr. Humphreys. And Florence said that he always complained of a prescription after a couple days. He would take it and then a couple mm. days would pass and he'd say, it's making me sick. And so then Humphreys suggested a Turkish bath. So and what's that? That's nothing poisonous. That's just like- A steam bath, right? A steam bath. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so then James went into the city with food prepped- from the the kitchen at the home and then when he returned that night he had leg pain and he was very sick and so again they think that something happened to his food some somebody poisoned Mm. his food Mm -hmm. the doctor arrived around midnight and james was doing better around midnight and so he gave him a morphine suppository just to help him sleep oh okay (laughs) the next day he was worse and the doctor blamed the suppository that he gave him Mm, and uh, I, don't, I don't know about that but suppositories <laughs> are helpful um, they can be helpful but the the issue with opiates is that they can like stop you up and so i don't right. know what it's going to do if it's a suppository right it's going to make things even more dead 
mm-hmm. get into there because my understanding is that's why they do stop you up is because they kind of paralyze, mm-hmm. you know, parts in your system. And so your guts aren't moving out and churning things down through the magical pathway <laughs> to the exit. <laughs> So I can imagine in my head, and obviously I am not a doctor, very far from it, but if you do that with a suppository, then you're really deadening things right there in I mean, a very probably. low, yeah. you know, localized area. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay. So this makes it, they think that the suppository made things worse. Mm-hmm. And then, then what? He- he also complained that he had a yellowed or a furred tongue, so he's complaining that his tongue feels weird again. He couldn't keep anything down, and he had tingling in his throat, and this is the first time that we hear this complaint. So on Sunday, the next day, he still couldn't keep anything down, including any of his medications, but he had no temperature. Mm. He did have diarrhea, though, so everything was just coming out both ends of him. The Dr. Fowler's solution was again prescribed, so more arsenic was prescribed. The arsenic solution was prescribed as a diluted solution for about 1 25th of a grain of arsenic every hour. Oh, so very, so much smaller than we were doing before. Mm-hmm. But okay. more regularly. Okay. Florence steps in when this prescription is made and she says, what if we just gave him chicken broth? What if we just saw how broth worked on his system? Instead of putting all of these chemicals and elements and all of this air quotes mm-hmm. medication mm-hmm. in his body. Yeah. And then the they next- like that idea? I don't think they did. Okay. <laughs> I think that she was just like, I'm concerned. And they're like, you're not a doctor. So, I mean, she may have tried to give him chicken broth just as what he was eating. But mm-hmm. I think that at least okay. the arsenic was continually given to him. Stop, you silly woman. What do you know? <laughs> yeah. Ha 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 We're the yeah. smart ones. So then the next day, the doctor actually changed his mind about the Fowler solution and said, okay, let's not do the arsenic. And instead, he applied a plaster to James's stomach to create a chemical blister, which was believed to suck the infection out through the wound. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> as much as I just like this guy, and I really just like James Maybrick, I feel like he was kind of put through the ringer at the end of his life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as somebody who has chronic health problems and I've always had doctors like, well, let's try this thing. Let's try this thing. I do feel bad for him in that way and mm-hmm. that they were just throwing things at the wall to see, see what sticks, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. I do feel... I do feel for him in that way, but I do still think he was kind of a douche. Yeah. Yeah. But anyhow, so he gets this chemical plaster burn that's going to just suck out all of the bad stuff to him. How does that go? Well, on on the next day, on Tuesday, James actually does feel better, except that he still has a tickling in his throat. Mm, Okay. So on the 7th of May, James complains that he's had several days of vomiting now, and he has a weird taste in his mouth. His tongue is furry again there's still that tickle in his throat and he's thirsty all the time Mm, not a good sign and florence said that his breath was always sweet now (gasps) oh i've heard of this being a telltale sign Mm. of poisoning of arsenic poisoning (laughs) so we're getting so this sounds like uh he's about to expire soon Yeah. yeah Yeah. Okay. So then this doctor, Dr. Carter, agreed that James had a chill from the rain at the races all those days We're ago. back to that. The chill from the rain gave him all these gastrointestinal issues and mm-hmm. it's making his legs go numb and <laughs> throw up and have terrible diarrhea. Well, he thought that he was throwing up and having diarrhea because he also had food poisoning that day. Oh. It was just, it was aggravated by food. 
poisoning that he got. Yeah. Got it. Okay. That makes sense, Dr. Carter. Cool. Yeah. So Humphreys and Carter <laughs> are both like, you'll feel better by the end of the week. <sighs> you'll be over this chill. <laughs> and this time they prescribed antipyrene, jaborandi, <laughs> and they prescribed a chlorine mouthwash. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not sodium chloride like salt water mouthwash like chlorine chlorine like a chlorine mouthwash and i want to look up this jabberandy real quick yeah do it do it okay here's from rx list jabberandy is an herb the leaves are used to make medicines despite serious safety concerns jabberandy is used to treat diarrhea and to cause sweating sometimes also used to treat eye glaucoma huh so we know now we know today <laughs> that jabberandy is not a good plan mm-hmm so they get him on all of this new, new stuff. How does that go for him? Florence wrote to James's brother after all of this that she was going to bring in a nurse. Mm. She, like she was like, I don't, I don't think these doctors are doing it. They keep coming and going. I can't do anything because no one's listening to me. So I'm going to bring in a nurse. And then James's mother actually was also like, you need to get a nurse from the Dover Street Institution because they're the best nurses. And so there's like already this argument where she's like, yeah, I'm going to get a nurse. And the mother's like, well, you need to get a really good nurse. And she's like, yeah, okay, that's the plan. Thanks, mother-in-law. Bye. So then the first nurse arrives. Her name is Ellen Gore. The next day is when the first nurse arrives. How Mm. is James doing? I think he's... uh, Staying pretty constant. I don't have any notes about him. So what I do have is that James's mother wrote to James's brother because the housekeeper was suspicious of Florence. Mm, We're back to this. Everybody's suspicious of Florence. And I think part of this suspicion, nobody knew that she was sleeping around. And I think very people, I mean, and she wasn't even really sleeping around. She was sleeping with one guy. She had, she had one guy. Nobody knew that. And nobody knew about her financial troubles either. It was really just James who knew about those. Mm. And so they didn't like her because she was American. And so all of this Mm. bias that we're saying Mm. against her is just because she's American. And so, because they don't know all this other additional stuff about her. And I'm still from the camp of my objective opinion of what you've presented is that she wouldn't, she doesn't seem like the type to poison him because why would she be going to all of his doctors and trying to get help? Why would she want a nurse to come into the house, yeah. whether it's the one that the mother-in-law squawks about getting from Dover or whatever, mm-hmm. like, but any nurse, why would she want another party there mm-hmm. to possibly witness her poisoning him mm-hmm. to interfere with the quote unquote care that she would be trying to provide to, to, to poison him? Mm-hmm. Why would she do that if she wanted him dead? Okay. So the nurse shows up. The nurse shows up. Everybody's suspicious. Everybody shares their suspicions. And then they kind of conspire against her and they keep her out of the sick room because Mm. they're like, we think you've been tampering with food and we think you had something to do with the prussic acid prescription, Mm -hmm. either in the food or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, you're not allowed into there anymore. Okay. And then one of the housekeepers also found some soaking fly fly papers at some point. And this comes out there during this kind of like conspiracy discussion. And the reason that this is important is because fly papers back then had arsenic as so many things did. Mm-hmm. Why was she slo- soaking flypapers in water? So she said that she had some sort of beauty care routine where it was cheaper to extract the arsenic she needed for her beauty routine from mm-hmm. flypapers mm-hmm. than to go buy it at the apothecary. Right, because like we learned from episode two with Lady Tafana, it mm-hmm. was used in a lot of their makeup. Mm-hmm. So there, this was a common thing. So she was just, you know, like 
coming up with her, you know, beauty care hacks. Yeah. Of exactly. <laughs> getting it from the flypaper. Okay. However. So there was a reasonable reason. Oh, but however. However, this looked suspicious, super suspicious, because there had been a famous arsenic poisoning case in 1884, so five years prior. There had been a uh. suspicious arsenic case five years beforehand that somebody had actually done this. They took the flypapers mm. that were pretty innocuous to get, they soaked them in water, and they used it to poison somebody. Okay, and I think so it was is... actually a, a wife poisoning her husband. Yeah, why? Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that does you know bring it. Yeah. So, what do they do now? They find her doing this. Well, they they say one of the housekeepers says, "Oh, well, I saw this." While you guys are saying oh. you're suspicious, I'm suspicious, and here's why. And mm. so now they're like, Florence, you're not allowed near James anymore. She's like, fine by me. <laughs> Whatever. But she's yeah. also like, you're all killing him. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. if he dies, I get nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. She does have some missteps because we're human we, and we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so that same day that everybody's like, you don't get to be in there anymore and we don't trust you. She writes a letter to her lover, Alfred Beerley, uh... and she gives it to the housemaid to, or actually I think she gives it to the, the, the governess to to mail it out while she's on the walk with the kids and the daughter Gladys is allowed to hold it because the governess is like oh well I'm gonna set some shit in motion so she gives Ugh. it to the little girl who's like two at this point she's not really young like old enough to be trusted with a letter right and she yeah. drops it in a puddle of course she does and so then the governess is like oh this dropped in a puddle I need to re-envelope it and so she opens uh, it and reads it. Yeah. Nosy. And so now she knows. And then she decides to show the letter to <sighs> the brother, the mother, and this family friend who hates Florence. <gasps> oh, no. Mm -hmm. So she's meddling. Mm -hmm. And then. But then doesn't tell James. She's just going to tell everybody around she him. She tells everybody else. And she tells the brother who absolutely abhors Florence. She tells uh, this guy, Michael, who fucking hates her. Oh, no. Yeah. And so then the nurse is given instructions to be the only one to administer new foods and medications. Okay. And so aside from not letting her in the room, they're also saying the nurse is the only one who's allowed to do this, this Ellen Gore woman. And she prepped some new packets of glycerin and borax for a sore throat, which... <laughs> Bor I'm sorry, that was so... Borax? Borax, like, yep. We're throwing borax in now. Okay. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. poor guy. I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then the, the brother who totally hated Florence, his name was Michael, and he didn't fully disclose his suspicions to Florence because he wanted to play his cards kind of close. But he did accuse her of delaying medical help and not paying attention to, to his conditions, which is like, mm. this woman has been sounding alarms for at least the last year. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So this is like, I've been doing this. I've been trying. Mm -hmm. And he, I mean, he, he didn't even... He, he's really just coming at her and saying, you did this. So he's, he's not even asking who asked for the second opinion, who asked for Dr. Carter or Dr. Humphreys to come in and who hired the nurses because right. it was Florence who did those things. Right. Ugh. And so she was like, I nursed him all by myself and I stood my ground when the doctors were coming in and going out. And I think that you're just full of it and you don't know what's going on. She could tell that he was trying to take over as the head of the household mm -hmm. at that point when it's like, she's the lady of the house, but she's American and everybody thinks that she poisoned her husband. So she's just slowly being like pushed out of the picture. <sighs> so yeah. So at this point, after some hours have passed, 
James is now able to keep down some fluids. He was drinking milk, chicken broth, brandy, and champagne. <laughs> what a lovely combination. <laughs> so that's my favorite combination when I'm sick. I know. I love that. <laughs> Alcoholic bubbles. Those make me feel the best. <laughs> yeah, seriously. With some milk in my stomach. Yeah. Okay, so how does that do? How does that treat him? He's feeling all right, I guess. Dr. Humphreys was not concerned about the bowel irritation that he was feeling. <laughs> and he confirmed the other doctor's diagnosis of just chronic dyspepsia. This is all this is. It's just chronic dyspepsia. You'll be fine. Totally. And Michael actually suggested maltreatment. Michael was like, I think that these doctors mm. are doing something as well. And the doctors all assumed that James was fine. He was improving. There's no need to be concerned. So, I mean, everybody, like, has a little bit of, like, their heart in the right place, where mm-hmm. Michael is like, I don't think the doctors are doing the right thing, but then he's also like, I think Florence is trying to kill him, and I think right. that she's behind this, and Florence is like, I hate you, and I'm, like, sleeping around behind your back, but also, like, I am hiring all those people to come in. and Right, because she, I mean, whether it was, whether she's doing all these things because she doesn't want him to die, so she's not left out in the cold... You know, or mm-hmm. if it's like the, you're the father of my children, so I don't want anything bad to happen to you. So I'm going to do these things. Like whichever of those mm-hmm. were the reasons for what she was doing, like she, it doesn't seem like she was trying to kill him. She was no. trying to keep him alive, mm-hmm. whether for self-preservation or because she still cared for him in some small way. Yeah. So then on the 9th of May, James was worse. Apparently mm. the brandy didn't help. Ah, dang. He had he had loose bowels, he had a bad tongue, he had a distressed throat and intense lower bowel pain. Mm. And so then Dr. Humphreys prescribed an opium suppository. He's Again. Like, it didn't work last time, but maybe things will be better <laughs> this time. <laughs> of course, why not? And then that same day, Michael complained to Dr. Carter and Dr. Humphreys that maybe James had been poisoned. This is the first time Mm. that somebody actually voices concerns of poison. Said the words, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Carter was hesitant to accuse, but he was on edge after the mention of infidelity because, of course, everybody knows at this point. Right. And he's like, oh, I don't know. It's probably chronic dyspepsia, but he's also like, I don't know. She is sleeping with Alfred Beerley. I don't know. Mm. And the doctors didn't administer an arsenic antidote. They were like, okay, we won't administer anything to help if it's arsenic, so that we can test his food before he eats it, and we can test his urine and feces. Okay. Which I don't necessarily know how I feel about that. He's been in bed this whole time, and yeah. just, like, shitting himself, or, like, shitting into right. a chamber pot, and, like, I'm growing sure up, you, and... I'm sure you have plenty of material to test, probably. You could just yeah. administer help, but whatever. Yeah, that seems, um malcare like malpractice a little bit a little yeah bit. yeah and then dr carter he prescribed a sulfuryl and cocaine for suppo- or prescription for his rectal and throat pain which probably helps because you know because he was on cocaine, <laughs> cocaine. so he's not going to be thinking about <laughs> the pain that he was in yeah. oh the 1800s <laughs> And there was another nurse that had come in who had been hired and she didn't like Florence. And so she was like, I don't, I want to switch my schedule with nurse Gore. So there's like just all this weird shit happening with his care because people don't like Florence. (laughs) And then nurse Gore sees Florence doing some weird stuff with a bottle of meat juice and potentially a bottle of brandy. Like she sees her kind of grab it 
sneakily while like she's looking over to make James doesn't see her and she like kind of tucks it into her hand and like hides it in her skirt mm. and does something with it and then brings it back. So mm. there's this whole weird thing with the meat juice bottle and the brandy bottle. Okay. And their score takes it because she's like, we're not gonna do anything weird with this tampered bottle. So yeah. She it. On Friday, they tested the food and the feces and the urine for the arsenic and it came up negative. Oh. Mm-hmm. The whole nurse conundrum was dismissed by Michael because the one nurse had allowed Florence to mess with bottles and like, I don't know, there was just this whole thing with like bottles being moved around and there's so many nurses and doctors that it's like nobody actually knows what's happening and Florence. No, they're all playing their own game and their own version of events. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so then one of the nurses is fired and forced to find her own replacement (laughs) and it's a whole thing. So now there's another nurse coming in and then this same day that everything tested negative for arsenic and the drama is going down with the, nerf- the nurses, James's right hand is perfectly white now. It's absolutely white. And this is an indication of circulatory failure. And the new mm. nurse comes in, hears James say, so she knows nothing. She knows nothing except maybe what has been told, like, don't right. Lawrence into the sick room. And all yeah, right. And that this guy's sick all the time. Like, yeah. she doesn't know all the backstory. So this new woman, she hears James say, don't give me the wrong prescription again. Oh, bunny, how could you do it? I did not think it of you. And so she assumes that he's talking to Florence, who he either perceives as there or Florence is by his bedside table when he says Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. But this new nurse is like, what do you mean? And don't mess with my prescription again. What do you mean? I didn't think you could do it. And this guy is, he's literally dying. Like, who knows what this is a reaction to. Right. Or where he's at, because I mean, when you're not getting, if his circulation is very poor at this point, it sounds like he could be hearing and seeing things maybe Mm -hmm. because he's not getting, maybe the circulation to his brain's not working well, you know, like he's just going off the deep end. Yeah. And despite all of this james's brothers attempt to discuss his will with him as he's dying of course yeah so then there's a foil test on the meat juice Mm -hmm. for arsenic and arsenic was found but it was inconclusive Mm. right and so now we're getting into like oh we did find arsenic but we don't really know what to make of it Right. And this wasn't, I think, I don't think this was using the Marsh test either. I think okay. this was using a different test and it was mm-hmm. given to the city analyst, but I don't think it was the Marsh test and it showed up inconclusive. Okay. So does that just mean like there, we don't know how much was in there, but we know there was some? There might've been a different contaminant in there that was showing oh. positive for arsenic, but it could have gotcha. also been arsenic and they don't know. Okay. That makes sense. So then the next day, James is totally delirious, which he seems like he may have been delirious the day before. Mm -hmm. He wets the bed. He's given some cocaine anally along with some nutrient suppositories. (laughs) Yeah. He's also, he's also given brandy, champagne, a subnitrate of bismuth, which Pepto-Bismol. So he's given some yieldy (laughs) Pepto-Bismol. But then that night at 8.30, after 15 days of sickness, he dies. Oh, and I hate to say it, but God, it's about time. How (laughs) did he survive this long? Like, I hate to sound like that, but I mean, I'm like waiting on the edge of my seat. This was like, this is going to be the time that he dies when he gets the strychnine. This is going to be the time. Like, this guy went through a lot and was pretty resilient, all things considered. Yeah. Okay, so what happens now? Like that he's, so he dies. And so what's the re- reaction of the ever-growing crowd at the Maybrick household? Absolute secrecy. 
So um, everybody is like, they're not letting Florence into the room. And we have all these nurses and all these doctors and all these testing that's being conducted. And so the tainted meat juice, like the, the meat juice that Florence had messed with, and then the mm-hmm. nurse thought had a, sp- a different a volume to it, mm-hmm. had a lower specific gravity than non-tainted meat juice. But all that means is that like liquid was added to it. And we don't know mm-hmm. what liquid was added to it. Mm-hmm. They didn't find any arsenic in James's urine. They mm-hmm. did find a box of chocolates, like a chocolate box, one of those square boxes with a mm-hmm. lid. Mm-hmm. that had a bottle of arsenic that said arsenic for cats on it and a bunch of oh. other empty bottles and then Florence's handkerchief was in there hmm. so they're, they're like oh this is suspicious and then the next day Florence hasn't been told of his death yet so they're still like oh. we need to do testing we need to keep this amongst ourselves nobody can find the keys to the safe for his will and all of his investments Um, more bottles are found and more letters are found and the children are just sent away because they're like this shit's coming to a head and uh, florence had passed out from just sheer exhaustion the day before so she's uh, been she's just been zonked for hours her children are sent away without her and when she wakes up she's finally told that james is dead uh, her children are gone that's hard and then it's possible that she had passed out and miscarried the day before he died. Oh, because this was, yeah, this was after the, the you know, not very much time had passed since all of the fainting spells were happening. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, she so was she possi- was, and she hadn't been uh-huh. sleeping much because she was trying to take care of him, even though she wasn't allowed into the sick room. And right. so it was just like that sh- that stress caused it or what but like Mm -hmm. it's not even certain that she was pregnant but it may have just been like kept on the download that she was pregnant and so they miscarried on saturday and then wakes up from her like (sighs) trauma depression nap and her husband is dead and her children are gone oh my gosh Mm -hmm. and so what how do they so she she gets the news from Mm -hmm. i'm guessing the brother or the nurses Uh uh-huh okay Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how how does she react? She is, she just like loses her mind essentially. Mm. Like she just starts grieving really, really profoundly. And I mean, some people could say that she was like putting on an act, but I don't, she was trying to keep this guy alive for 15 days and potentially just miscarried. Like, well, yeah. And even if it's, you know, like she was going to have some level of sadness, I think, you know, even mm-hmm. when it's somebody that you have a very strained relationship with, when you lose them, you're, you're going to feel some sadness, I'm sure. So, so she, so she feels that she reacts. Mm-hmm. And when does it become, like, when does it come out that we think you poisoned him? Pretty soon after. So uh, right, right about this, this time on Sunday, when they're trying to figure everything out and nobody's been informed, the house knows that he's dead and nobody else knows that he's dead. They find out that the city analyst confirmed that there was a whole grain of arsenic in the bottle of meat juice and that mm. James had probably ingested half a grain of arsenic. Mm. And so then after that, <clears throat> Dr. Humphreys is like, well, I have to inform authorities. I have to inform them that there's this body. And they arrive 24 hours after the death. <sighs> On the 13th of May, the coroner performed a post-mortem with Dr. Carter there to passively observe and corroborate, which I don't know how ethical or unethical that is, but whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was conducted in James's bedroom, so. (laughs) (laughs) The most sterile of places. Yeah, yeah. And then what they found during this autopsy was no signs of infection in the GI tract and no arsenic crystals, which is important. But Mm -hmm. he did have an enlarged gallbladder. The rest of his organs were pretty normal, so his heart, his liver, his kidneys, and his spleen were all normal. There was a small ulcer on his epiglottis, which is like upper GI. 
Yeah. And then his esophagus was unnaturally swollen. So that was probably the, the tickle that he kept feeling is like his throat was swelling. Well, and I mean, it sounds like maybe he was just having a gallbladder attack. Like he needed to have his gallbladder out and that's why he was having so much GI distress. Potentially, who knows? Yeah. But everybody who was in attendance, which was Humphreys, the Carter and the the physician who was performing the postmortem agreed that it was probably an irritant poison who, that caused his death, but mm-hmm. they couldn't see any signs that it was arsenic specifically whatsoever. Well, and I'm where I'm at with it right now. I don't think that Florence would be so careless to like, if she were going to poison him with arsenic, to put it in a box of chocolates, put the bottle of arsenic there and one of her handkerchiefs. That seems like something very sloppy and very, mm-hmm. I'm going to make it look like. Yeah, it seems like, like a plan. It does. It really does to me. That's the first impression that I got with it because she seems smarter than that. And also still, I, I'm at the point where I don't think she mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. You know? So so they, they don't really come up with anything conclusive at mm-hmm. this point that says, like, we think you were... So then why was she in prison for 15 years? Well, there's more. <laughs> they have the funeral pretty quickly, and she's not allowed to be at the funeral. Mm. And on the 14th... <laughs> what? I know. On the 14th of May, they have an inquest. And Michael, the brother who hated Florence, was the only witness. So he was <sighs> the only one who was able to say what had been going on in the house. And the coroner instructed the jury that enough poison had been found to justify a more detailed exhumation, even though this wasn't proven by the postmortem. So then there's a lot of bitterness, and the mother was like, maybe you should ask your lover for financial help. (gasps) And then Florence does. She writes to her lover to try to get help, but they, like, intercept the letter and give it to the police as evidence against her. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. I know. And then the papers start finding out everything that's going on and they start circulating rumors about her and they're like, oh, she has this lover and she probably poisoned her husband. And this is, I mean, because this, for that time, it has to be kind of a juicy story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a woman poisoning her husband with arsenic. Like, they couldn't get enough, you know? Yeah, right. But... I mean, it, it's, it just starts out totally unfair. And so the first attorney who was there to interview Florence to represent her in court didn't take any notes when she was talking to him. Because then, he's already got his mind made up. Mm-hmm, probably. And then Florence's mother was only actually informed of everything that had happened by chance six <sighs> days after the death. So nobody on Florence's side can help her nobody knows what's happening and florence is just kind of on her own and i mean the florence's mother carrie is obviously just shocked at the treatment by the police and the nurses and everybody Mm -hmm. critics at the time are accusing florence's passivity she's not shouting from the rooftops that she's innocent and you know and so they think that means she's guilty because her trying to get help before worked so well for her. Mm-hmm, right. At this point, I mean, I'd be pretty discouraged from anything. Everybody's been against me since day one mm-hmm. when I was still trying to help my shitty husband. Right. Like, why? Ugh, she's probably just tired. She's tired. <laughs> tired. Yeah. Well, and okay, so the Carrie makes a good point that she believed James's slow death would have given Florence enough time to destroy any evidence. And the 
amount of poison in the house was actually in Florence's favor because he was just stockpiling poisons the entire time. And the doctors were giving him poisons. And so her mom's the only one and the first one to be like, hey, uh, does this make sense to anybody else? Because it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, why would she want to get a nurse in there? Why would she want to have all of these other people coming into the house? Why would she involve extra doctors? Mm -hmm. She could have done this on her own, nobody involved, Mm -hmm. way back when, if she really wanted to. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's the only one who's speaking up for Florence. Mm -hmm. Florence is arrested on the 19th of May. On the 23rd of May, her brother Richard and an attorney interviewed Florence and her claim was that James had a habit of taking undiagnosed white powders and Mm -hmm. they were the only cure for his headaches and James begged her to give him the powder before his death which is what that new nurse had heard right don't change my prescription again how could you do it and Florence was saying that she was trying not to give him as many things and so he was begging her for these prescriptions and she's like no I can't give this to you Right, because the nurse knew in some way that this is not a good combination or this is too much, but he was begging her for more. Yeah, Yeah. and at some point she did add it to the meat juice, and that's what the nurse Gore caught her doing was Mm. she was like, okay, I'll add this to the meat juice, and it was a powder, but she had to add it to liquid to get it into the bottle. Mm -hmm. When she returned, he was asleep, and so she just like placed it out of his reach, which was where the nurse found it and was like, this is super suspicious, and she took it and never told Florence about it, and this (sighs) is what was tested. And the attorney told her to keep this to herself. Oh my gosh. I think his reasoning was that it did kind of confirm what the nurse was saying. Like you did give him poison. And she's like, I was just trying to give him medication that he was asking me for constantly. That's terrible. She was officially charged a second time without (laughs) being present in court. She wasn't present because she was too sick to attend. I feel so bad for her. Yeah, I feel bad for her too. And then her case got another week extension. So her case is just kind of dragging on. Two of the jurors were mourners at the funeral. Oh, so they're obviously biased. Yeah. On the 28th of May, Michael admitted to not seeing Florence tamper with the bottles, but she admitted to tampering with the bottles. And then the governess, she testified to seeing Florence do it. She described the tampered food, her demeanor, which was just like... I fucking hate you, governess, and I hate everybody here. And then she described the letter to the lover that she gave to the little girl who dropped it Mm. in a puddle, and then she read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know why all this personal stuff has to come into court. Things like, yeah, I didn't like her. She was a bitch. Then it gets so much worse because then Michael was unwilling to have the will read in court because it didn't make Florence wealthy. And so he didn't want it read in court because it essentially didn't work in his favor. Well, yeah, because then it would show that she doesn't have a, she doesn't benefit from his death. Yeah. In fact, it makes things worse for her. And then he said he never argued with her. He never argued with Florence. Oh my God. There are plenty of witnesses that Mm -hmm. know that they had a very strained relationship and Mm -hmm. words were often exchanged. The doctors could attest to that. Everybody. That the governess and all of the other staff of the house. Yeah, I mean, I hate that they weren't allowed to read the will because that would show that even if, even if she wanted him dead Mm -hmm. so that she could be in a new relationship with her lover, Mm -hmm. she can't 
be with the lover because then she loses the house mm-hmm. her her small third portion like this doesn't make sense and of course the fly papers were discussed discussed extensively of course really suspicious mm-hmm. and then and then that same day that this court proceeding was happening james's body was exhumed for another exam mm. and they now thought that the case was weak because the newspapers now thought that the case was weak because the first exam didn't reveal enough to convict. They only found traces of arsenic, which weren't mm-hmm. fatal. Mm-hmm. And they also supported the notion that Florence bought fly papers for face wash. So even though the, <gasps> the papers had started out being like, oh, this is scandalous and we can't get more of it. Now they're on her side. Okay. And so well, this the- is, sounds good. Mm-hmm. So does she get acquitted? I don't know if that's the word that they use in the UK, but did she get acquitted or the case dismissed? Anything like that now with this new info? Well, it's still going on. And so, no, it's just the papers giving their opinion on the whole thing. Oh, I see. On June 5th, Dr. Hopper confirmed that he had prescribed Fowler's solution and said that he thought this would result in trace solutions of arsenic being found in the body. Mm -hmm. And he has, he said, I have never been associated with a cause of death from arsenic where no arsenic was found in the body. That's pretty definitive from an expert Mm -hmm. at the time. And then Dr. Humphreys admitted that he only knew arsenic poisoning from reading and not experience. And so even though he was present at the postmortem, he didn't really know what to look for. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Hopper said what we need to look for and what his experiences said. So who gives a shit about him? Well, because Dr. Hopper wasn't at the the postmortem. I don't know if he was at the second one, but he wasn't at the first one. Got it. Then Dr. Humphreys admitted that he only thought about arsenic poisoning after it had been brought up to him by Michael. (sighs) And then he said that he hadn't given the antidote to James, who had never told him that he'd taken arsenic. So James never actually admitted to it during this entire time. It was really just Florence saying right. yeah. And then the doctors, when they could corroborate, being like, oh, yeah, I, I, I've prescribed that to him. Oh, my God. Okay. And then James's clerk at his job describes how his office looks like an apothecary with all of his, the bottles. And then the city analyst who performed the tests on the meat juice wasn't even present. What? That mm-hmm. seems like a pretty important person to have at the trial. Mm, you would think. And then the letter to the lover where she was asking for help was made present, but he would just dipped out completely. Like he just uh, left her in the cold. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So then on the 6th of June, they, they have a little bit more discussion and then the jury deliberated for 35 minutes. And they, <gasps> yeah. And they accused Florence of poisoning James with an imminent poison with intent to kill. And Florence wasn't even in the room when they delivered this verdict. She was brought in after and then told that she was found guilty. After, well, and after 35 minutes of deliberation, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like to think that there wasn't enough discussion to even make an hour, like somebody's lunch break. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're going to decide the fate of a woman's life after, okay. That's so sad. Yeah. On the 12th of June, they had some magisterial proceedings and there were claims that James wasn't addicted to arsenic. And then Michael admitted that Florence had written to him with concerns about the prescriptions. And so there's just like more weird conflicting evidence coming out. The coroner and the doc who was at the autopsy would not conclusively say what poison killed James. Well, yeah, and we're hearing from Dr. Opry, like, that he's never seen an arsenic poisoning where they didn't have it in the body. Yeah. Postmortem. This is ridiculous. I, how? 
How? But they decided that there was enough evidence to send her to trial for willful murder. The jury deliberation was for the inquest, and now she's actually being sent to trial. Oh, I see. Okay. So a judge was appointed, and there were issues with the judge even, because, like, he used to be a good judge, but now there were all these rumors that he was really suffering from mental illness. Oh. And, like, he had really cloudy judgment now. Uh, Well, why not? Everything else has been pretty, you know pretty messed up for her why not why not the judge too and then there was this quote from the 26th of july during those proceedings that if a woman does carry on an adulterous intrigue with another man it may supply every sort of motive and doesn't that just sound familiar from everything yeah. we were talking about in episode two yes that very much <laughs> so sounds uh, that's irritating <laughs> on the first actual day of trial on july 31st Florence pled not guilty, and the prosecuting attorney was the first person to say the doctors will swear to, without doubt, that he died of arsenic and arsenic in repeated doses, despite the fact that the doctors never said that, and there was no evidence for that. And the doctors have even said, I've never seen a case of poisoning like this, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't happen like this. Mm Mm-hmm. All the things that are strong evidence before slowly mm-hmm. dropping off or being completely misinterpreted and misconstrued. It came out that Florence had expressed anxiety about James's habits leading up to his death and that the mother, she said that everybody knew about James's habits, but all the brothers denied it. We were like, we didn't know that he was addicted to arsenic and used it so much. Oh, and then Florence's attorney made it a point of forcing Michael to say that the bottle that she tampered with was never actually administered. So even if there was all this suspicious looking stuff, they could Mm -hmm. never actually pin down any point where they could force her say that Florence had administered anything to James. Right, because just having it isn't a crime. Mm -hmm. But they still, Dr. Carter, after all of this, like the doctors don't seem like they even know what they're doing because he suggests during the trial that the 3rd of May was the date of the fatal dose. Yeah, these are all a bunch of quacks. Their reasoning for all of this is that James didn't have muddled skin. He didn't have hair loss. He didn't have thickening of skin on the palms of his hands or the soles of his feet. He didn't have nail weakness or swelling of eyelids. And so it's like, it just doesn't look like arsenic poisoning. No, it doesn't. I mean- I'm, again, not a doctor, but it doesn't seem like it to me. They're, I mean, we're missing a lot of the classic signs. Mm-hmm. We are missing a lot of the classic signs, and they couldn't decide on when the, the fatal dose would have been administered because they couldn't find it in the body. And so this other specialist, he says that the fatal dose was three or four days before death when he had already been sick for 11 to 12 days. Yeah. But he says this without ever having examined the body. He's just one of those experts that comes in and it's like, I think this from having read papers about it. Right. And papers that didn't maybe have the best information. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, there's a lot of like, the numbers are all here, but something doesn't add up. And so they're just going to make it up. They had a hairdresser come in to attest to the usefulness of cosmet, like arsenic and cosmetics. Okay. Florence is able to speak for herself and say that I did use the flight papers for cosmetics. And then she said that she put some powder in the meat juice like James had asked her. And only after analysis did she realize that it wasn't strychnine he had been asking for, but it was arsenic. Mm. So she thought that she was just giving him his strychnine stuff that he was looking for and not arsenic. And But either which way. Yeah. 
either way, it was never administered, and I don't feel like she had malicious yeah. intent. No, I don't think so. Okay. So on the 6th of August, after a single hour of deliberation, mm. uh, Lawrence Maybrick is found guilty of murder and is sentenced to be hanged. <gasps> oh my god and women weren't often spectators at court but there were a lot at her trial and people were pissed like the newspapers were on her side women were on her side i mean it seems like the evidence at the trial was on her side despite all this shit being left out right and right well so- and so yeah it sounds like somebody uh, like they had it out for and at that time you know late 1800s a lot of people probably didn't understand this science mm-hmm. stuff or understand how doctors are talking to them so they're just going to go with whatever's said oh my gosh that's terrible mm-hmm. well it's nice to hear that she at least had some fans she did you know, like people so being supportive of her so so then what happens? Like you said that she was in prison for 15 years. Did she just have a very lengthy stay before they mm, no. hung her? No. So her attorney believed that the jury wasn't given proper instruction by the mm. other attorney. And so there it could be a mistrial. Ooh. And okay. the people who were reading the papers sent objections to the queen. Ooh, so they're getting, this is like before, you know, calling out a company on Twitter Mm -hmm. or something, but so they're writing letters. Yeah, they wrote to the Queen and the Prince of Wales, and they signed petitions in Newcastle, Dover, Eastbourne, Windsor, Newbury, Newbury, I don't know these places, and Norwich. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there were all these petitions being signed. There were all these people, like, writing to the queen personally and saying, like, this is a miscarriage of justice. Love it. And even people in the U.S., because she was American, tried to gather new evidence. Well, and it sounds like this was a big enough case that Mm -hmm. the news would be transcontinental. Mm -hmm. Even the British Medical Journal published an opinion that the verdict was wrong. (gasps) Oh! Oh my gosh, that's huge. Mm-hmm. So then so then did she get out? Well, okay, so it took some time. It still took some time. So she was sentenced on August 6th and on August 23rd the home secretary recommended to the queen that the death should be commuted to mm-hmm. penal servitude for life on the grounds that there was reasonable doubt as to whether arsenic was administered. Okay, it sounds like that there was reasonable doubt. And so then the queen did it, but she did it reluctantly. Ugh. She basically said, I'm changing it, but this will never be further commuted, and I don't want to hear anything about it ever again. Mm. So then at this point, was her sentence life? Her sentence was life in a work camp. Oh, okay. And then later on, the prescription for Florence's face wash was discovered between some Bible pages, so she actually had a prescription for this like arsenic face wash more people came out after the trial and attested to James's arsenic addiction. So even after all of like everything was commuted and she was sent to the Mm -hmm. work camps, more Mm -hmm. evidence came out and they were like, uh, yeah, there was definitely a miscarriage of, of justice. Good. Mm -hmm. Well, but the queen said she didn't want to hear it. The queen said she didn't want to hear it. And so then Florence stayed in a work camp for 15 years until 1901 when the queen died. Because the the queen queen died. died, Because the queen died, a new person was going to come into power. And so petitions were sent for Florence's release to be renewed because now the queen never has to hear about it. But whoever is in charge now. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, it still still took a while. So I guess she hadn't been in for quite 15 years yet. 
1904, after serving 15 mm-hmm. years, she was released. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the first six months, she stayed in a convent, and after that, she returned to New York. And oh. part of her release was that she would leave the UK and never returned. Never well, returned. I mean, it sounds like she wasn't appreciated there anyway. So I guess it's like, yeah. why, yeah. why try to force something that wasn't a good fit anyhow? Yeah. What about her kids? Do we know about that? She never saw her children again after she, mm-hmm. after they were sent away from the house, she never saw them again. Wow. So her son died at the age of 29 by accidentally drinking cyanide oh. at, at his place of work. I think her daughter lived on until like pretty late into the 1900s, actually, because Florence died in 1941. So I think Gladys was alive until fairly recently. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, her son wow. died young, but she never saw her, her children again. She did write a memoir that's available for free online called My 15 Lost Years. Ooh. And it goes over the trial very briefly, but it mm-hmm. mostly just talks about she was in solitude, like solitary confinement for most of her 15 years. Oh, wow. So she was treated really terribly. And even though she was released and she was told to return to the United States and like we'd be good, she was never actually pardoned for the murder. So she still had a, a record, so yeah, to speak? She was still a convicted murderess when she returned to the United States. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What was the book of the name one more time? I might check that out. Mrs. Maybrick's Own Story, My 15 Lost Years, a book by Florence Maybrick. Wow. And she wrote that when she was in New York? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. We'll have to check that out. Is there anything else worth sharing about Mrs. Florence Maybrick's life and troubled few years? The only other thing that I have to add are the, um, the arguments I've heard against that she wasn't innocent, which Mm. I I feel like it's pretty overwhelming that she was innocent, but I feel like just to not sound totally biased. Sure. um, I'd love to hear it. I have this book called The Elements of Murder by John Emsley, and he has a whole bit about Florence in his arsenic chapter. Mm. And he says, it seems incredible that people should have thought her not only unjustly treated, but actually innocent. Five major facts told against Florence for which she could offer no satisfactory explanation. One, the quantity of arsenic she had purchased and which was found in her bedroom. Two, the poisoned Valentine's meat juice, which James would certainly have consumed had Nurse Gore not been sufficiently alert. Three, Mm. the traces of arsenic in the jug and other utensils used for the last meal James ate at his office. Four, the arsenic found in the Dr. Fuller's solution, which James drank. And five, why Florence bought a second lot of 24 fly papers and what became of them. Which Mm. I feel like most of them are answered. Like the quantity of arsenic she had purchased, she, you know. She just bought more. She She, bought more. She bought more and James was constantly using it. The poison Valentine's meat juice was explained. She thought she was giving him strychnine. The traces of arsenic in the jug and other utensils for his last meal. Like the tampered food, I can't explain. I don't know what was going on with the tamper. I mean, I almost want to say that that had something to do with the nurses or the house staff because she wasn't allowed to prepare his food anymore. Mm -hmm. She wasn't even allowed to be around him really. Mm -hmm. So if that was happening, I'm led to believe that it was somebody else but 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 regardless, he didn't have enough in his body 
Right. It wasn't arsenic that seems to have ultimately killed him. Right. I'm sure that it was a combination, you know, mm-hmm. it was D, all of the above <laughs> that got him. But to me, yeah, I don't know. I'm still going to go with, I'm still going to go with, I don't think she did it. Yeah. And I think if she had wanted to poison him, she could have just waited because he was constantly poisoning himself. It right. would have just taken a little bit of effort on her part and then not bringing attention to it from doctors and nurses and the family. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is, is all of the reaching out she did, especially for a man that she was considering divorcing at one point. Yeah, she was Why trying to go about it lawfully. Right. Why do all of these things if you're going to, if you want him dead? Why? Mm-hmm. And even if she, even if she wanted him dead, it seems to me like she didn't want him dead because of how, how much it would have affected her mm-hmm. daily life. Yeah. I don't know. I say not guilty, but I say not guilty too, but who am I? Well, (laughs) thank you for sharing her story in such great detail. It was really interesting. I I didn't know much about her. Yeah. Uh, And now I just want to learn more about her. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's so sad. And I, I don't know. It was a really good book. I think that um, all of the primary sources were really good and it did feel like she was giving a pretty, the, the writer is Kate, Colcahoon, and I felt like she was giving a pretty unbiased, here's here's what happened in Florence's favor, and here's what happened that's not in Florence's favor, like, right. throughout the whole book, and it just seems like, to me, my whole point in bringing this, this story to was that a woman was accused of poisoning her husband when it was actually the men in his life that may have been the reason that he was being poisoned. Well, not only the reason, but there just was not good care there on so many Mm -hmm. levels. And it seemed like he was self-medicating and Mm self-destructing. And then Mm -hmm. it got blamed on her, you know, and the doctors didn't try to prevent it. They made it worse. Yeah. I perfectly agree with that. Mm -hmm. What else is new, right? I know. Yeah. That's all folks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, follow, subscribe, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. For more Lethal Dose content, you can find us at Lethal Dose Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. For an overdose of content, subscribe on Patreon for exclusive episodes and much more. Our theme is Raising Up the Mage Wind by Fogweaver. More of their music can be found on Bandcamp.com. Lethal Dose is created, researched, produced, and edited by Kayla Woods and Venus Dineko. Stay safe, and remember... The dose makes the poison.